0: All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because we have an absolute rock star on the line this week. And I know I say that all the time, or about every guest, every <laughs> single week. Uh, but this person actually is. She is the founder of Content Into Courses. She's an expert at helping people create their online courses in the the done for you side of things, and helping people do it as well. Uh, she's got a podcast herself, but most importantly, the the most. Um, I guess um, best thing about this person is she's a fellow Australian like myself. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Sam Winch. Sam, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you, Jonah. It's always a pleasure to talk to other Aussies because you're probably much like me. We spend a lot of our time talking to people on opposite sides of the uni- of the world, not the universe. Um, mm. It's always great to chat to a fellow Aussie. I
0: agree. And you're wearing- Brizzy. Tell to- listeners, to- Brizzy. Yeah, Brizzy. Okay. Your um, what's your favorite sport?
1: I'm not I'm a swimmer. I was always oh. a
0: swimmer, so um yes, anything in the water is good. Yes, I love that too. Um all right, let's give the listeners a, a bit of a background Sam. What is it you do? How'd you get into it?
1: So the official tagline goes, "Hi, I'm Sam Winch, the course creator, not the lunchtime food." <laughs> I was always wondering,
0: I'm like, is that your, you know, some people have nicknames and that on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Like your real name is Sam Winch, right?
1: It is. Yes. My, my name is Sam and my surname is Winch, which makes me Sam Winch. Um, look, if you've got a stupid name, you've got to roll with it. Hey, like you just got to embrace it. Um, But I I started in management. My background wasn't courses. It was management for big box retail. And I got to a point where I was jack of that. Like that sucks. You work stupid hours and Christmas is insane. And I had a young family and it just wasn't working. And I kind of fell out of that. And um, my husband at the time had gone along to a how to train the trainer kind of a program and hated it because he's the world's biggest introvert. I don't know why I went, but anyway, and then he was like, oh, like my wife would be really good at this. And they went, well, how good we're looking for a trainer. And he went, no, I reckon she'd be just the right fit. So I went along and I had the job. And two weeks later I was teaching the course and that's the way it kind of just rolled. So I really accidentally fell into the way of sort of facilitating workshops and training. Wait, wait, what was, what was the course? Uh, a teach- certificate for in training and assessment. So oh, also known as train great. the trainer. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, Just, just for the listeners, not from Australia, we'll break that down a bit. So over here in Australia, if you want to teach it like a, a college kind of thing, yeah. you need to have a, a certificate called training and assessor. Yeah. Right. And you are essentially teaching that.
1: Yeah. Teaching people teaching how, how to people build how to be training teachers. and assessment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Sick. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Continue.
1: No, all good. So yeah, I could like, I really accidentally fell into that. I just... Um, I think I just had the right fit. And what I realized is that actually a background in management was a background in training. Whenever you have a team, your training, whether you realize it or not, right? All of your work is building team development and building their skills and all those sorts of things. So really I've been doing it the whole time. I just hadn't realized what I was doing. So um, I kind of progressed along that in Australia here, we have that vocational education field. So that's um, sort of certified colleges and that tertiary level um, until I got really fed up of working in that because it's all compliance and red tape. It's so bad. And so I, um, yeah, I dropped out of that and started working with entrepreneurs and freelancers and small business. And that's way more fun and flexible.
0: Yes, 100%. And that's kind of where you are now?
1: Yeah, that's where I am now. So all of my time now is spent working with course creators, helping them to build their courses. So we do mostly done-for-you work. So either we sort of consult with them to help them flesh out an idea and tell them what they need to go and do, but a lot of the time we do the do for them. So we're building platforms and and building websites and building PDFs and writing worksheets and all sorts of stuff so that they don't have to do it themselves.
0: Gotcha. Now I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that are like, that sounds good. Sam, I need that for my business. Someone's interested in, in done-for-you course creation. Where do they go to hear more?
1: So just head to sandwich.com.au. There's not a lot of sandwiches on the internet. And, um, there's a book of free chat spots. So just book in for a chat and have a have a conversation. But um or, yeah, always happy to point people in the right direction. Even if it's not me, um, they can we can point them in the right direction for plugins or platforms or wherever they might need to go.
0: Awesome. And I'll put that link in the show notes. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Now, what we're speaking about today is going to be things that um, new course creators assume are really important, but are actually using Sam words bullshit. So, Am <laughs> I allowed to say that on your podcast? Yeah, yeah Always yeah, have to check. No, you're good. Go for it. So, and and Sam mentioned, hey, let's do a bit of back and forth, have a bit of a conversation. I think it's awesome. There's there's heaps of these things. I haven't got them down in my head, but I, so I'm going to let Sam start. Yeah. uh with her first one and then maybe we do a one-for-one one or, or kind of go from there so we'll
1: riff it and see what happens exactly
0: number one sam what's one thing that people think are really important but are actually bs
1: so i'm sure you did this a lot too right i chat to course creators and even if we're just having a free chat or a coffee or whatever and so often people say to me just things that roll out of the mouth and i'm like where did you get that from like that's not true and especially in the course creation industry um Like there's a trends come and go, as you know, but there's a whole heap of um, stuff that floats along and around in the online world that people get led to believe has to be the case. And I think the biggest one that I spend a lot of time talking about is video, which is Mm -hmm. the number one belief people have is you can't have a course if it doesn't have video in it and courses don't have to have video, right? You, you can teach perfectly great content without video. Video is good. Don't get me wrong. Video is useful and serves a purpose, but not every course has to have video. Or not every single lesson in your course has to have video because sometimes a worksheet is fine. And sometimes audio is awesome. Like what's to say you can't have a private podcast that runs alongside your program and just not have video. Or perhaps there are other things that you prefer, but we get stuck in this trap. And I get a lot of clients that stuck on this and, and maybe you see the same, which is they kind of get their idea fleshed out and it gets to the recording video stage and they get stuck, and it's because maybe the tech freaks them out or the being in front of the camera freaks them out or whatever it might be, but they don't progress any further simply because they've gone, oh, I can't do video, so I can't have a course. But there are so many ways around that, right? Like there's so many other things you can do that aren't video.
0: Love that. Such a good point. Yeah, I agree 100%. My first course, Sam, sold for 250 bucks or or something like that, Um, was like 99% written. Because yep. I didn't know about course platforms. So I just yep. created an ebook and I was gonna sell it just hundred percent ebook, but then I realized there's unlisted YouTube videos. So I was yep. like, you know what? Let me do a, a five, ten minute summary at the start of each module. Still, it was maybe 20 minutes of video total, you know? And that course was great, got a lot of feedback. Um, and then a good friend of mine, do you know Steph Taylor? She's I do from, know, yeah. yeah. She's from Queensland as well. So she was telling me she's been on this podcast a couple of times. And I think her her one of her original courses was all just written. It was yep. a go- like a podcast, how to launch a top podcast guide kind of thing. Sold for one ninety seven, sold hundreds of thousands, maybe even yeah. a million dollars, and it was just a, a written one there. So yeah. yeah. My Love very
1: it. first course that I ever sold was email only. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm old now, sorry, showing my age. This is back in the olden days of the internet. But like, yeah, it was email only. They got a weekly email with action items and some content and some info. And then um, there was a bit of follow-up. It was like a 52-week program, one, one action week task a week for the whole year. Um, so for like a 1000 bucks, and it was only email hundred yep. percent email. There was no video anywhere. So like there are options. And I think we've just fallen into this trap of like, Oh my God, I have to have this fancy, shiny background or green screen, mm-hmm. or like, I have to look super professional in video. That's probably another bullshit thing we can talk about. Yes. Um, but like, you don't have to, you really don't have to. Mm. It's helpful. It's useful. You might want it, but you don't have to have it. Yep. Let's take a quick break.
0: You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. So great. All right, I've got one. And my one's an, an interesting one as well. This is one I'm pretty passionate about. And this is pricing. Oh, right? this yeah. is on my list too. So let's talk this. Yes. Okay, well, here's my thing on pricing. So I think if you're teaching an online course, which is solely online, there's no, um, you know, no live lessons. There's no No support, no support. It's just live. I think the actual price of that course does not matter in terms of the individual unit. Right. I think what's more important is the total revenue you make. So let me give a a couple examples here. Um, that I see that are that live examples as well. So like, um, we I also teach a a certificate three and four in fitness. Yeah. Right. Um, which for listeners that aren't from Australia, it's essentially like what you need to be a qualified personal trainer here in Australia. So I had to get the course that Sam was teaching to, to teach that, right? Um, anyway, we, we've just kind of started in it and we priced, oh, should I say, you know what, I'm going to say prices, who cares? Hardly anyone listening to this is going to be a personal trainer anyway. So, um, you yeah, know, we priced it, I think at $3,000 when we just yep. started it. And we made like one sale that month, right? And it's kind of like, yeah all right, you know, one sale or whatever. Um, the next month we did a Black Friday special, and we did it for half price, mm-hmm. 1,500. right? So half the price of it, 50 percent less, right? But we sold 10 of them. Yep, right? Now the workload is the same, simplified version, zero. right? Yeah. Whether we sell one or whether we sell t- 10, the workload is the same, zero. right? But if we do the math on that, at 3,000 dollars, we sold one and made 3,000 dollars. Yeah. Right. On the uh when we went one thousand five hundred, we sold ten and we made fifteen thousand.
1: Yeah. There's but no but for the same workload. No, the yeah. Same
0: workload, yeah same workload tell me your take on that and then we'll, we'll I'll, I'll so go i
1: agree the only thing that i have to add to that because i don't think it's spoken about enough in the course industry is profit margin
0: oh, so yes
1: and even if your work even if your workload for running the program is zero if you've got a cost per lead yeah. then price point matters so i was talking to a fitness trainer actually who wanted to run a membership Ooh. at nine dollars a month who this? um no I, don't probably don't no, I probably can't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can I say? Um, So there are lots of big names in the fitness industry who have platforms where you pay a small oh, monthly fee point. and you get access to their video library and whatever. So okay. she kind of wanted one of those, but she wanted an entry price of $9 a month. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, if you, and she was like, oh, have you got a big list? She's like, no. And I'm like, well, how are you going to get yeah. the people on your list? She's going to run ads. I'm like, even if we're looking at a dollar a lead on an ad, email can, conv- I know, right? Yeah. But even let's for simple maths, because I don't yeah. do maths. Yeah, yeah. A um, dollar a lead, right? You need your average email conversion rate is what, one to 3%. So, if out of 100 people on a list, you're going to make maybe one to three sales. Yeah. So, to get 100 people on a list at a dollar a lead, we need to spend $100 in ad spend and we're going to make one to three sales. So, between nine and $27. Yeah. Do you want to be spending $100 to make $9? Probably not. So, you're right. Price point actually doesn't matter. But not just revenue. Profit margin is really important. So how we're we making a profit on those sales?
0: Hundred percent. Let me let's expand on that because I think there's a good. I think that could be another one as well. It's kind of yeah. like marketing and and profit there. Um, let me just see if there's anything else on this. Product. Uh, yeah. So on that that that's my take on pricing. I think and and I'll, I'll just go deeper onto why I think a lot of people think like that. I think a lot of people come from that run courses come from a service background yes. where it matters. So let's say. Let's use me as an example. My background is in um, fitness, right? Personal training. If you're in personal training where you train someone one-on-one, it matters. You Mm -hmm. need to get your rate as high as possible because you're you're trading dollars for time. And that's kind of like, it's almost like a badge badge of of honor as a personal trainer. Yeah, I charge 120 per hour. And with that side of things, it kind of does matter because Mm -hmm. let let me use that same example. If it was a, a personal training side of things, let's say I'm a personal trainer. And I charge one hundred and twenty dollars per hour, and let's say Sam charges sixty dollars per hour, half as much to get more clients. She might have double as much clients as me, right? But that means we're we're still making the same. But and I'm, I'm working, working twice as up. hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. in a service based hundred percent, but in a course based, it's more about the the actual end revenue. So that's what I, I recommend yeah. people to to look at there um and i think even there's probably even a good point there in terms of the the membership side of things let me think yeah so i think that's even let's even no actually we'll cover that later let's go (laughs) to let's go to that profit side of things anything else you want to add on the the profit side of things
1: no but i think it's something to bear in mind when you consider um revenue so a lot of big names in the in the industry will throw out like figures, like annual, I've made this much a year, or oh, my course yeah. turned over this many dollars. Yeah. And I always take those things with a grain of salt because when we're talking turnover versus profit margin, there can be a big difference. One of the things I love to see, um, if you've ever looked at, say, Denise Duffield-Thomas, when she does a launch, she does a breakdown afterwards of where her spend went. Mm. So if she's had a million-dollar launch cycle, she'll say, look, we spent 300000 on staffing costs. We spent 400000 on, and I'm just pulling these numbers out of my ass. Please go and research it properly. Yeah. But, you know, I spent <laughs> 400000 on Facebook ads and that left me 300000 cash in pocket or whatever. Mm. Um, and I appreciate that breakdown because I think yeah. people say, "Ah, a million-dollar course, which is awesome, by the yeah. way. But also, like, It's not a million dollars in her back pocket necessarily, and it took a lot to get her there. So I just think it's worth bearing in mind, yes, you can definitely have a great course. Yes, pricing – especially when there's no support or running costs are fairly low is almost irrelevant but make sure that you are actually taking into account your running costs because people don't take into account hosting like platform fees those sorts of things and like i want you to make money i want you to make Mm -hmm. a profit so make sure you are taking those things into account and you are making a profit not just you're going oh i'll just sell it at this price because everyone else is selling it at this price which Mm -hmm. is what this fitness trainer had done she's like oh but other people have a nine dollar entry offer i'm like well great but like you don't have the list size to support that yet. And you're comparing yourself to, I don't know, Chris Hemsworth know or X O so, or cool. yeah, anyone yeah. who's got already a huge brand and a huge following who can support an entry offer like that. And and you can't.
0: Yeah. Love it. That Yeah. That, sorry. That's the point I wanted to cover on the profit one there. Um, because And I think that's just a good business principle in general. And I'll even, I'll, I'll share like, uh, cause I ran into a lot of, I ran, uh, ran into a lot of trouble with that early on. Mm. We're like, I was making good money. um, So I was blowing good money as well. And then it would come to the end of the year tax time. And I'd have like nothing left in my account. And I was like, okay, I I need to to do something here. So I read a really good book, Profit First. Yeah. You read that?
1: I have. Yes. I don't use it. We use a slightly different setup, but yes, have read it.
0: Super useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I use that as my base, but I, but even with that, like you know, it says you know create different accounts. This much for income, this much for expense, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I'll just give the, the figures for the listeners. My profit margin is about forty percent. Yeah. So it's like, okay, great. You know, I made um whatever hundred thousand dollars this month or this quarter or whatever. I didn't. I'm forty of that is yeah. in my pocket. <laughs> you know, like um forty percent is even. Yeah, 45% is expenses, you know, 15% for tax of the, yeah. the profit there. Like I'm left with 40. So even for the listeners here, if I say, oh, I made X amount, you know, that's that's total. Like take 40% of that. That's yeah. what I, I do there. And I think it's a a good business lesson because I know I'm not the only one that's got caught up with that. I think it's very easy to no. to just focus on how much you make because yeah. I think it's, and, and it's almost like a vanity thing as well you know, yeah, I made, you know, X amount of dollars. And- oh,
1: yeah, for sure. And it's super, like, it's super marketable, right? Like you see people yeah, yeah. like six-figure business, seven-figure business, because yeah. six isn't enough anymore. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be eight-figure business soon. I haven't started seeing a lot of those, but I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's that real like tagline thing. And it's cool. Like I genuinely having that sort of a turnover level is, is a good thing, but make sure that, you know, from a a realism point of view that you're looking at your own income and profit margins and expenses. And if it's all going somewhere and you've got nothing left in your pocket at the end of the day, it's not great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like um, it it like, and just for listeners, it doesn't matter how much you make. It's how much you keep. Yeah. No, it's like, let's use that example there. Let's say, let's even use me and Sam as example. Let's say I make a hundred thousand dollars this month. But I spent 60,000 on advertising and, and taxes or whatever. Great, I made 40,000. Maybe Sam made 50,000, so half as much, but she did it organically. Well, she's better off, you know? Yeah. So it's um, yeah, they're not, not saying it's don't spend money or whatever, but oh, I know. Mean, you know it's very important. Just don't focus on how much you make. focus on on how much you keep.
1: Yeah, and just take everyone else's numbers with a grain of salt because if you're mm. not seeing all of their expenses, you never know. And they might have great profit margins, but yeah. they might not, and we just don't know, right? We just don't know.
0: Yeah, agree. agree. Um, so you also touched on, like, courses versus membership or even, like, I like when you you brought, brought up that $9 membership. Yeah. Do you got any – what are your thoughts on, I guess, yeah, courses so versus membership or those super low-barrier memberships? I think there's
1: definitely – a place for them. Like there's, there's definitely a place in the market for them. Something that um, I'm sure you probably think about as well is I'd like to talk to people about the strategy behind the thing Mm. they're using. So um, I was talking to a lady just yesterday, and we were even talking about the difference between, say, Live Launch and Evergreen. So a program that runs like six weeks, everyone joins in together or something that's just available anytime. And so the big difference, honestly, is how you're using it as part of your business. Mm. If you're using it as a signature program that's your main source of income, then Live Launch makes sense. You can build a lot of anticipation. You have cart close dates. Like you can build that oomph. If you're using it as an entry-level point to something else you're on selling, like one-on-one services or coaching or something, then an evergreen, low-cost barrier makes sense, right? Because it's almost like your lead magnet. It's something that's super cheap, that's a no-brainer offer, that's available any time when they feel like it, and then you've got a strategy for what you do with the people once they're there. So I think that no matter what you do, and we can talk courses versus memberships and all sorts of options, but no matter what you're doing, I really advise people to stop and think about the strategy. Like why? Mm -hmm. And that was the same with this lady. I'm like, well, why do you want a $9 membership offer? And she's like, oh, well, other people have them. Mm -hmm. Like, Okay, well, but why else? Like, why do you want one? And what are you doing with it in your business? And so she was trying to use that low sort of entry-level price point offering as her main income earner, which Mm -hmm. is possible, but more difficult, Mm. but we could use it as say, and I have it, like I have a $5 um, micro course because realistically it's just a paid lead magnet rather than being free. Mm -hmm. It's $5. People put some cash on the table. So I know they're invested. There's a little bit of income in it for me. So it just covers things like ad spend. Um, And it means that for me, rather than being a cost to the business, it just works itself out at kind of zero level, but I use it as lead generation, it builds into other things. I wouldn't use it as my main income earner because you can't get rich on $5 courses where mm. it's difficult to get rich on $5 courses.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. No, agree with all those there. I think, yeah, I think it's an interesting one, the, the pricing side of things, right? And mm. this is why I think it's also very interesting online. Like um, my take, I think the best model is the online course model. You know, yeah, I know, I know, uh, and it, it depends what you're interested in. I know you do more services, Sam. That's what you like doing. Me, I'm lazier. You know, yeah. I'm just, I'm just kind of like, how can I make as much money as possible doing as little work as possible? That's why I like, you know, that, um, that online course side of things.
1: And there's definitely uh, a market for it. Cause that's where my audience are too. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I do a mix. So I have a series of online courses and then I have an agency model where, when I mm. take clients on. I don't do a lot of the work. I do do the work, yeah. but I don't do all of the work by any means. Cause like you, I'm naturally lazy, yeah. Um, but I have a team who support me in doing the work so that, yeah, yeah. I don't have okay. to do it. all. That's, yeah, well, sure. that's
0: good. That I would do, you know, yeah. because it's like, even now the, the issue is, I think if you do just online courses, you can get kind of a little bit bored. Yeah. Kind of like, Oh, what am I going to do with my life now? And you just waste time or whatever. So I think I do a little bit of one-on-one consulting more just for fun. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, if I don't do that and also it keeps you kind of in the game and fresh and, and that kind of I stuff. I think we well. do that
1: as entrepreneurs. Hey, we get bored. Like I do mm-hmm. it all the time. And um, actually this might be something that's worth talking about. It's not the BS that travels around. Um, but I see a lot of people who I work with build a course and then we kind of get bored of it because they've put the effort into building it and then we move on to the next thing, mm. but we forget to really set up the system to market it or sell it or yeah. tell the world we built it because we get so caught up in the shiny new thing. Like, oh, okay, I'm bored of that one now. Let me build something else. Yeah. Um, that I see a lot of course creators and entrepreneurs build lots of things, but don't give those things the time they really need to settle into a market or the marketing they really need to reach a wider audience because they're caught up in the excitement of the build, like the new thing, the new thing. The new thing. And I don't know if you do that too, but I've got like, you don't look in my Google drive. It's like a graveyard of dead things that, that were built once upon a time and don't really exist anymore. Cause it's the excitement is in the new thing. And um, yeah, then I, even I don't give them the time they deserve. And I don't know if you do that too, but I see entrepreneurs, we get bored easy.
0: Yes, I'm definitely guilty of that. That brought up another idea that I'm gonna flag it later though. I just want to spend a minute on the, yeah, sorry. the membership. No, no, you're good on the, the membership side of things. This is what I see a lot, kind of like um uh people on Facebook specifically, but I think social media, where there's a, a big push to kind of um sell high ticket coaching. Yes. You know, hey, you want to charge $10,000, 10,000, dollars you know, do my twenty thousand, five dollars 10,000 dollars course side of things. And once again, that's okay. If that's what you like doing, I'll still take the online course side of things anyway, because the Hmm. down point of of charging high ticket is there's obviously a lot of work involved in it, right? You need to follow up, provide a good service, um, do the calls, whatever whatever it may be. But what I see happening there is kind of like a lot of those high ticket coaches that kind of, um, you know, sell, hey, high ticket coaching is the best. Within like a few years, they're now selling online courses because they realize it's better, right? And then a few years after that, memberships because they realize there's you know there's um there's value in that as well but that's easier once you've got that big following it's kind of like you can't sell that nine dollar membership if you've spent you know five ten years building your list you know you've got that big audience okay right then you can do it for someone starting off i think it can be very hard just trying to sell the the nine dollar membership yeah. um and I mean- there's Oh, here, yeah, sorry, you go.
1: I was just going to say that brings up an interesting discussion. And I was once told, and I don't think it's entirely true, but there's a grain mm-hmm. of truth in it. Um, it takes as much effort to sell a $5 product as it does to sell a $500 product. But you can extrapolate that out into programs. It takes about the same amount of effort, sales page writing, funnel writing, whatever, to sell a $500 course as it does to sell a $5,000 course. Um, Assuming the level of support is the same. And I see a lot of course creators undersell themselves. Like you were saying, if it's got no support, it doesn't matter because it's scalable. But yeah. if it's got support in it, it's not as scalable. Yeah. And so they're trying to sell their big ticket offer at $1,000 when really the support inside is worth five grand, mm. but they're like, Oh, well, you know, I can't, it's too high, much hard work to sell, sell five. And I'm like, if you're selling a thousand, you can sell 5,000. Like it's really no different than level of input. You're going to have to have to convert a client at those two price points. is the same. Um, but it's interesting that you're right. That people go, Oh, I'll just like the progression that people take is interesting. Cause I think they've got a story in their head. That's like, oh, I have to do these things, or I have to mm. have a high ticket offer to sell a low ticket offer, or I have to have a low first to sell a high And none of those are true. You can do that Mm. any way you want, right? We've all started different ways and come out around in different circles. There's no one true method that gets you anywhere better than any other.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, And actually, I'll bring up just one one point here. So do you know who Evelyn Weiss is?
1: I know the name. Why do I know that name?
0: Do you know Jessa Bellman? Yes. Okay, cool. So... Evelyn actually runs like this and she's the only one in the world. I know that's been able to do this. She does run a $9 membership just off Facebook ads. Right. But she's the only one in the world. I know that's, that's been able to do that. So I think it's like, um, it, it agrees with your point where it's like, Hey, you can start in any way there, but also I don't want to give the lesson the listeners, the wrong impression where it's like, Oh, well, Evelyn Weiss did it. So I can do it as well. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, to bring that up there where it's like, even though here we are saying it's so hard to sell this $9 membership via Facebook ads, even then, there is the it's outlier that. It's doable. Yeah, ah, there is done.
1: always an outlier. I mean, you look at any business industry, like there are always there are those who break the rules, there are the outliers, like, and then there's like the mainstream, but everyone kind of does this thing. And mm. I think at the end of the day, there isn't always a right and a wrong. Like you can definitely approach it your own way. And this is something that I'm sure you do, which is you learn, mm. right? So you try something and you learn from it. And if it's not working for you, like maybe you've seen one person do it, and you're like, oh my God, I can do that too. If it's not working, pivot. Oh, whatever better word you want for that. Cause we have used that word way too much. Um, but like, just yeah. learn from it and go, hang on, hang on. Like I might've seen someone else do that, but this is not working for me. Like what else can I do instead?
0: Yeah. hundred percent. One of my favorite quotes is I never lose. I either win or I learn. Yeah. And that's the way I look at, look at anything. If I, you know, um, say I run a Facebook ad, for example, if it, if it works off the bat, great, happy days. If it didn't work, okay, let me analyze it. Which yeah. point did it not work? Did I get a lot of opt-ins but no one bought? Okay, let me play around with this, you know, and fix that up there. Or did I not get any opt-ins? Okay, what have I got to fix up there? Is it the offer? Is it the image? Is it the so I think yeah. there's there's always ways to to fix it there. Uh, but let's hand it back over to you, Sam. What's another thing that people assume is really important, but is actually BS? Uh, so
1: there's a couple of things I want to talk about, and I'm keeping an eye on the time because I know that you, <laughs> I know you have a time limit. Um, I do think that completion rates is something that's worth talking about because they've had mm. a really bad rep in the online course market. Um, I saw stats once and I'm sure they've changed since, but it was something like only 3% of people who buy an online course finish an online course. And like, that's pretty shocking. Um, and so I was talking to someone, they're like, well, online courses obviously don't work then. And I was like, well, hold up, like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Because completion rates often, especially if you're using a platform, it's just a metric that's easy to track, but it doesn't mean it's a good metric, mm-hmm. right? So completion rates means they have to complete every, every single element inside a program. But if you've got a up up video like a thanks for watching lovely to have you here and they've finished the content but they decide not to watch that wrap-up video Mm. technically they haven't completed and your platform will mark them as not yet complete but they could have done 99% of the program the other thing is if you've got students who are implementing as they go they don't have to do the whole thing Mm. like maybe they've done your first couple of modules and they've gone this stuff's awesome and they've actually gone back to the market and they've tested it and they've used it and they're getting results why does it matter if they haven't gone through the other stuff yet? Because they've improved their life or their business and they're getting results from it, which is surely the whole point of the course anyway. Like, Mm -hmm. do we really want to force them to sit through the videos just so we can have the completion rate tick off Mm -hmm. or do we want them to get results from the program? And I'm pretty sure it's the latter. So I often encourage people to look for, and it's heaps harder to track. Like there's no easy metric box to follow, but like implementation rates and results are a much better metric than completion rates. Mm -hmm. But, platforms will track your completion rate and you'll get lured into thinking oh my god no one's finishing my course but like at the end of the day it doesn't matter are they actually getting results from it far more important
0: yes love that it, it reminds me of um i was listening to a podcast like years ago a couple guys talking and one guy was like yeah you know my goal is actually to to finish more books this year you know i start a lot of books um you know i get something out of it but i never end up finishing them and the other guy was like does it really matter You know, it's like, doesn't really matter if you like, if you read that book and you got, you know, the gold nugget out of it and that changed your life or changed your business or whatever it is like, does it really matter if you didn't finish it? Like it may be better off. Okay. Don't finish it. Move on to the next one and and get that gold nugget there. So I, I and we get caught
1: up in in all sorts of bits of life, right. But I didn't, I didn't finish it properly. I didn't do it Mm. properly. So therefore it doesn't count. Um, You know, we gatekeep so many things that way, but as long as it's working, it doesn't matter if they haven't watched every video. Your students don't buy your program because they want to watch your videos. They mm-hmm. buy their, the program because they want the outcome. So if they're getting the outcome, job achieved, like tick, well done. It's just heaps harder to track. And your course platform won't give you people are getting results from this numbers because they they can't. So you have to look for other ways to measure it. Like ask for feedback, talk to your students, like get testimonials back, look for that sort of stuff because that's the proof that it's working.
0: Yes. Okay, and you had another one you wanted to bring up you mentioned?
1: Um I did want to talk about audience size because I know we've touched on oh, it a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. um I think there's pros and cons to both ways, but one of the things I've often seen is um I can't have an online course because I don't have a big enough audience yet. Um and while we've said that it's hard with a smaller audience, I'm sure that you've seen evidence of this as well. It's not impossible. Mm. Um and especially if you've got higher ticket offers, you can make good revenue from a small list. Mm. You don't have to have a hundred thousand people on your email list necessarily to make good income from programs, but you have to be strategic about the way you approach your list. And, um, I think that I get a lot of people who I talk to who are worried that they don't have, simply don't have the numbers because mm. they think they need a hundred thousand people or something else, or just a number, um, and they don't have it. But I, I've seen I've seen everything work. I've seen huge lists fail. I've seen people with giant lists mm. make no money. And I've seen people with smaller lists make lots of money. So I think it's a really interesting thing. I know we've spoken about audience size a couple of times. And yes, it it can make a difference. But there are things you can do even with a
0: small list. Mm, yes. Yeah. I love that, that point. I think there's a few things there. So yeah, I'll go, I'll go from both ends. I think like, yeah. Uh, I think long-term goal, I think audience size is great. You know, I think like um, if you want to be online course creator full-time, I think the, the bigger you can have, there's still a few caveats in here, but like the bigger you can have that warm audience in that one kind of niche and demographic, the easier it's going to be. Like yes. let's say now in, in my fitness education business, I've been doing it since 2014. I've got a list of 15,000 people, Facebook group of 15,000 people. And that might not even be huge for, for a lot of people watching it. But for me, that's like, that's big enough. Like with that, I'm never going to go broke. But there's a few caveats on there. A, it's such a niched audience. Yes. It's not just 15,000 people that are my friends or they opted into this free thing. And then I pivoted and now I'm doing this business and they're on that list like, Every single person on there is a certified personal trainer. Very niched. Um, the other thing is also I've kept that that audience very warm. You know, I'm always posting in the Facebook group. I'm sending out emails. It's not just kind of a, a cold list there. So I think like that should be the long term goal: get this really big list of engaged people and that. Yeah. Um, but if you, you like, if you wait till that to start, you're never going to start. You know, no. well, it's kind of like if you wait. And also, I think there could be a disadvantage that to that. Uh, to that. I think if, you, if you're if you like, hey, I'm going to wait till I have 5,000 or 10,000 people, I think that can almost be a, a down point because you're waiting so long to sell. Now, when you sell, people might be like, oh, this guy's just trying to sell me something. He was trying to, you know, yeah. me all along giving this this free stuff at least if you sell from the start, people know, okay, this guy's selling something from the, the start. Yeah, I'm not saying sell from day one or the minute someone follows you hard pitch or whatever, but, you know, I think there's, there's advantages there. And I think like, um, I think if you do have a small, I think there's a few things there. I think like I th- my take is I think the specificity is very mm-hmm. important. So I think if you don't have a big audience, that's okay. As long as it's a specific audience, right? Let's yes. just use, personal trainers as an example. Let's say you're selling something to personal trainers. D- doesn't matter if you've got 1000, 5000, 10000, 20000 whatever, but if you've got personal train specifically personal trainers, you're at an advantage there. And I think the bigger thing there is knowing what that person wants. So yes. I've I've had offers before that I've sent to my 15,000 person list and no one bought. Yep. Right? My fault completely because I didn't do the 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 smart work. I thought it would, oh, yeah, this is what they want. I know what they want. I'm not going to do any research or ask. I'm going to do it. And I've made zero sales of a yep. 15,000 person list. And that's right? not
1: uncommon, right? Because we yep. do that. We're like, oh, I'm just going to push this thing out. This is yep. the thing I want to push out. Yep. But if it's the wrong thing for the audience it doesn't matter how big that list is you know it's not going to sell or it's going to sell like this tiny little trickle just because they love you and they've bought other stuff and they're like oh maybe I'll buy that one too but you're so right if it's not the right fit if it's not something they really want but the other thing for that then is you could have say a couple of 100 people on the list but if you've got the offer that's just the right fit and yeah. those couple of 100 are super targeted you yeah. could make a couple of sales
0: 100% like, yeah oh, well, and and you yeah 100% not like no doubt in my mind if someone like because I know that market quite well If somebody just had 100 people, right, I could say, hey, if if they're the 100 people that I know exactly, have an offer which has blah, 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 they'll make sales.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I know I – I can't name names, but I did have a client who was selling quite a high-ticket offer, and obviously, if you want turnover from a very, very small list, it's the only way yep. you can really do it. Um, they had an email list of 900 and a Facebook group of about 500, and they made a hundred grand out of wow. like uh, across the annual across the across the year on their programs. Um, you know, six figures off a list of 900 is is impressive, um, but they it was super niche super, super, super niche. And mm. it was a fairly high ticket offer. So you didn't have to first sell as many to get to that market. Um, I mean, if you're selling what, one in a hundred, it's nine sales. If you're selling at 10 grand a piece, that's 90 grand, right? So it can be done, um, but it's it's about having that, like you said, you've got to know your people well, your yeah. list needs to be warm and you've got to have the right offer for them. And then even with a small list, you can make some sales. And as long as you know them really, really well and you're giving them what they want, they'll, they'll buy.
0: Yep, yep. The, the other thing I'll add to that is I think you do need a audience though. So I think yes. if someone's you know if someone's watching um, this, because I'll have a conversation with Crossfire sometimes. I'm like, hey, have you got an audience? Nah, I don't have an audience. But you know, I'm a member. There's Facebook groups that that people are in, and maybe that can work. You know, yeah. maybe, you know, there's certain Facebook, there's there's a lot of variables there, right? Yeah, it's, with you, I'm like, maybe that might work. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to, I don't want to say never, right? But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give a few situations. Let's say if I'm posting something in my Facebook group, which has whatever, whichever group it is, it has thousands of people. That's great. I can do it because I've got that, that authority in there. Mm-hmm. If, if I was to do that same Facebook post, same post in someone else's Facebook group, that may not land the same because these people yeah. don't know who I am. I, I don't have the authority, this and that yep. um, on the flip side. Am I even allowed to post in that Facebook group? You know, yeah. all well and good. There's a group with 10,000 people and my po- people there. But if I can't post in there, if I posted and they ban me, I'm gone. You know, Uh, even
1: if they don't ban you, it can just look slimy. Like if you're in someone else's space selling, it's like when you set up your market stand in directly in front of Coles or the supermarket or whatever, like, right. It just looks dodgy. Like what are you doing stuck here at the front of their shop? It's the same, right? If you're in someone else's space and it's not your space, there's no trust there. And there's that instant distrust, I think as well. And you're not starting from neutral. You're starting from negative.
0: Mm -hmm. And then further to that as well, if the group does allow promos, I find a lot of those groups are the worst place to sell because they're just filled with promos. They're just mm-hmm. people trying to sell stuff. No one trying to, no one in there to to buy stuff. So once again, not saying it never works. I'm sure you know you can go in there and you can, you know, people have done it, whatever it may be. Um, but for the people listening, I think it's important to have something in place there. You know, you can, you know, there's ways you can leverage and whatnot, but have something, somewhat of, of your own audience there. Yeah. Um hey, Sam, there's a few questions that I always like to finish up with. The first one is around course platforms. There's so many of them out there. You know, there's Teachable, Thinkific, Kajabi, New Thrivecart. Um, you know, I could go on and on and on. I'm curious to hear what your favorite is. Or if you have one that you prefer. That's mean. So I'm platform
1: agnostic. Um, As a course creator, we use, um, I've got clients on, we've got builds on about 10 different platforms at the moment between WordPress and a variety of plugins and then third-party platforms. Um, And part of the reason for that is because I'm a firm believer that different courses have different needs. Mm. And I have yet to find one platform that suits every single person's concept or ideal or needs. Um, They're just... Like everything has pros and cons and I've yet Mm. to find a perfect one. Um, So I don't have a favorite, but so that I don't dodge your question and fence it. My micro courses are held in member vaults, um, mm. which has been a really interesting place to play around with. Um, I got in fairly early on when the developers are still listening to the audience. So tweaks happen fast, and mm. if the audience requests something, I've seen a turnaround in a period of four hours. An audience requested a functionality that didn't exist, and the developers had it back on the table that day, um, which is super cool. But it has some fun gamification stuff, like you can play with um, a celebration Prompt. So when something happens, when they finish a lesson, for example, it like shoots confetti across the screen and it sparkles and it. So there's some really cool gamification tools that you can play with in there. And that's always fun. So I use lots, but my micro course is Remember Vault.
0: They used to have, I think they recently got rid of it. They used to have one of the best free options as well.
1: Yeah, they did. So, and then, I mean, some of the stuff we've been talking about here, they realized it just wasn't a sustainable business strategy because they were doing yeah. high support. So not just low income, zero for the zero income level, and um, it wasn't sustainable to offer that. So they don't have it anymore. Um, People who got early adopters still have access to the lower priced point, but now it's it's a higher price point to get in. And for that reason as well, doesn't suit everyone, um, but that's where my things are.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think also as well, because I think that's a good point as well, just in terms of like price raising. Because I think that can be a, a good strategy as well from someone starting off, just even from the course creation side of things. Yeah. It might be like, right, you know, maybe it's a little bit um, uh, more affordable starting off. But hey, you know, if you're making a few sales, you know, great. Say so, hey, once I get 50 people to sign up, the price goes up to this, you know, and then same next 50 people that sign up, price goes up to this and price goes up to this and price goes up to this. You know, I think that's kind of business, you know, you can start off yeah. at the more affordable rate and then, hey, i got enough money coming. I, I don't need... Um, I don't need to spend as much time on this here. You know, let me leverage my time better. So yeah, love that. For sure. uh, final question, Sam, is around mentors. So you're obviously a mentor for plenty of people around there in the, the online course space and the training and assessing space as well. You have been. I'm curious to hear who your biggest mentors have been in the course creation space. Uh, if you can answer this in a few different ways, if you could give us a paid mentor, someone that you've paid money to, you've done their course or their program, whatever it may be, an unpaid mentor. So you haven't paid them money, but you follow them on social, you listen to their podcast, you read their book, whatever it may be. Uh, And, and a book, sorry. So paid, unpaid. And then last one is a book that you recommend every online course creator uh, should read.
1: Okay. So I'm a bit of an outlier. I haven't really done the paid mentor route. Um, I did have a lot of unpaid mentors for sure. Um, But for me, I found a really good group of peer mentors mm-hmm. um, and we had a peer-to-peer mastermind group, which is now for five years strong. Um, we meet once a fortnight. It's the same, mostly the same base group over five years. And we spend a lot of time together. We co-work together, we plan together, we strategize together. And so realistically, I built myself what other people would pay for, yeah. um, but I built it for myself and and found the right people to come join it. And so I kind of facilitated what the the result that other people would probably pay for so i'm an outlier in that case question, um,
0: question there did you yeah. build that yourself were you yeah. like right i want to get a group of people i'm gonna go and yeah. find people and bring them together
1: yeah i tell the group yeah, it was completely awesome. selfish yeah. <laughs> There is only and I, I actually like i put out an application form and everything i had a bit of a sort of people knew me in the business world already so i had a bit yeah. of a following but i did a look this is who i this is what i want um i want people who are committed who want to meet fortnightly who want to who are at a similar level to me maybe but we can push each other a bit um and i put out an application form and i kind of asked like what they were doing and where they were at and where they wanted to go and i turned some people down and i took some people in um but yeah i built it because i was like i know I know what I need. Like I need support. I want people who understand me. I want people who get me. Um, I'm willing to put the sign aside to facilitate the mastermind calls, assuming that they know that they're here for me as well. Like this is not, I'm not their mentor. This is peer to peer. Like we're going to push each other. Um, I'm not, I just happen to facilitate the call, but I'm not, the lead. I'm not, you know, bigger or better than anyone else. So yeah, I completely selfishly built my own solution instead.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I I used to do that myself as well at one stage. Yeah, because it was like I read a book and and I don't know if you know Jack Canfield, but one of his yes. books, Jack Canfield, the Success Principles. Yeah, and he kind of said, hey, everyone needs a mastermind. You can either pay for it or you can build your own. You know, and the way you can you can essentially. Build your own is you facilitate it. You know, you say, hey, here's when the calls are. You find the people, you know, you get the people in there. So there's there's value that way there. So love that. Yeah. Um, Unpaid okay. mentor? Unpaid slash people to follow on social.
1: Um. So I have met and do love Kate Toon. So she's a good oh, Aussie yep. to follow along. Um, super down to earth, kind of weird, bit of a misfit, but I like that in a person. <laughs> I like a little bit of weirdo. Um, I've met Kate a couple of times. I've been in her podcast as well, um, but she's always great to see what she's up to. She makes some waves. She makes some splashes and she has a cool group called The Misfit Entrepreneurs, I think, and a book of the same title. Um, but, yeah, good to go and have along, especially if you're an Aussie and you want to see what other Aussies are up to. Kate Toon's um, got a bunch of courses. Bought a bunch of successful memberships um, off the back of, she used to do one-on-one consulting as well and decided it was just not scalable. So she kind of follows that same grain that we've been talking about, um, but does things in her own way. And I always like to see people who are doing that. That's fun.
0: Mm, Yes. I've got to get her on the podcast one day.
1: Yeah. She's fun to talk to. She's um, she's a blast and super British, which is always fun too.
0: Awesome. Book you recommend or book you read that changed your business slash um
1: so Jeff Walker has a bunch of oh, yeah. launch stuff. Um but he has a book. So if you're not in a position to buy his courses or, or get into any of his higher end stuffs, um he's got a book which is kind of old now and some of the tactics you'll have seen um, for years around, but it's actually still super valuable and you can get some really good basics from reading the book. So if you're not a position and you you want to get into sort of big launch cycles um and you haven't got the money to invest in someone's program or something, um check out Jeff Walker's launch book because it's like 30 bucks and yeah, you'll get a heap out of it for 30 bucks for sure. I'll,
0: I'll tell you a story there. The, I think the last person I had on this podcast or or recent recommended that same book. Yep. So I read that book like years ago now, right? And also for the listeners, if you're not aware, like he basically started this whole launch thing. Anyone yeah, now that's yeah. like a launch coach or whatever it is, is essentially teaching either his strategy or like a watered down one where it's like, you know, he taught someone else who taught someone else who taught someone else who taught, taught this person. So yeah. he basically started this whole thing, but that book still one of the best books I've ever read because the second I finished it, I went and bought his program. Yeah. I was like, this book is so good. You know, I've got to go and buy the program here, but he's the kind to of catch to it. Now the program I don't know what it was two three thousand dollars or something American I think um the course wasn't that good it was all right no sorry it was that good the course was good but it was essentially just his book in video format yeah <laughs> there's two ways to look at it it's like either a that book is worth two three thousand dollars right? Because it is, you know, it yeah. was a great book. One of the best books I've ever read. Um, The course wasn't that much better than the actual book. So, but that's it, it, kind of irrelevant. Either way, it's like, if you don't want to buy that two, $3,000 course, just go and read this book. Everything yeah. that's in the course is in there. And it almost goes back to what we said earlier. Like the course is literally just that book in video format. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, you can but have I think- it just... You no go. matter,
1: and no matter what you do, right. The course, the book, whatever, if you don't implement, it doesn't matter. Right. you got to implement. Yeah. So um, I think you take the gold from whatever you've got. And if the book's what you've got, you read it, you implement it and off you go. But yeah, the nuggets, it's worth pulling it out for the nuggets. It's it's old, like it's old school. It's mm. been around for a while. Like you said, he's like the granddaddy of the industry almost. Um, He'd hate to be called that probably, but sorry, Jeff. Um, So like the, my, my book's like yellowed now and tattered as well, but Mm. like ignore the age of the book, like take the gold from it.
0: Yes. Uh, Awesome. All right. Well, Sam, that's pretty much all I wanted to get through today. We've mentioned, um, we'll put your link down below. If somebody is interested in, in, in uh, your services, if someone's not interested in your services, but they think you're cool, they like your style. They want to follow you on social. Where's the best place to follow you?
1: So there's not a lot of sandwiches around, so you'll find me pretty easy. I'm in all the normal spots, but I probably spend more time on Facebook than I should. Um, And we've got a group over there where you can come and hang out with other course creators as well. But yeah, just Google sandwich and you'll find me.
0: Awesome. All right, Sam, that's all I wanted to get through. Is there anything I should have asked you but forgot to or anything you'd like to finish us off with?
1: No, this has been really good fun. Thank you, Johnny, for having me. Super appreciated.